Hello, world singers. My name is Tyler. And my name is Brooke. And this is Cosmere Conversations. Welcome back, all you lovely human beings. It is so wonderful to return once again to The Lost Metal. This is a sequel to our last episode when we were discussing metallurgy broadly, but really just kind of focusing on trillium and harmonium and the effects we saw throughout the final Era 2 book. How they interact, all of the new things that we learned about them, got a little spicy, And this week, we are back to continue talking about metallurgy and the lost metal. This is going to be a little bit more focused on our three main metallic arts, hemallurgy, allomancy, and ferrucamy. Because one thing that is most important throughout Era 2 is the combination of magic systems and the way that powers interact that we're only kind of briefly exposed to from era one the lord ruler Mm, and finding out about compounding that's like the limit really and then era two is all about pushing those connection which i think is setting up as we've discussed era three era four and the broader cosmere with fabrials and kind of the thytokar-esque mindset of we need to democratize this power so that no group can kind of become dominant and take over there are certainly a lot of advances and innovations that seem to be taking place on scadriel it's a little frustrating for me because a lot of it is taking place off page by the set and so we kind of only briefly get introduced to all of these kind of bombshell discoveries that are happening which i find frustrating because that means we don't get very much information about it. So it's kind of hard to say how this is going to progress going forward, what it's going to look like, what it means for the greater Cosmere. But we saw this magic system start to become even more integrated and connected to other magic systems in the Cosmere as well. And I feel like with this book and then with the secret projects coming out, we are really starting to get a more comprehensive picture of how investiture works Cosmere-wide. So let's go through some of the big moments from The Lost Metal and kind of pull out the details of how metallurgy was used or manipulated and then, as always, connected to the broader Cosmere. I think for me and what you mentioned, the set and their experiments has always been a a driving interest and like a point of intrigue. But we had some of those like new characters introduced. For example, the mayor of Bilmi, Gave Entrone. Yeah. Who was funding slash running and operating uh, several of the different experiments and or torture chambers (laughs) that they were working on. Not great. For hemallergic advances. Yeah, hemallergy is really the biggest area where we get a lot of advancement in this book and Entrone's scientists are able to 
sort of incrementally make a hemallergic spike. And they do this by threading the Mm -hmm. spike through somebody. So not piercing them, not like jamming it straight in like you would with a nail and a hammer. But but instead... More like a sewing situation. Yeah, what you would do if you were sewing up a wound, you would use a needle... Yeah. To, you know, with some thread, obviously, to sew that skin together. My understanding is that is what they are doing. They are kind of weaving this piece of metal. It's described as very thin. I don't imagine it's as thin as an actual sewing needle. Yeah. We can probably guess it's going to be a little bit more painful than that. And the uh, remnants, the holes are probably going to be uh, a Ugh. little, yeah, icky. Exactly. But I think that that concept of just kind of like dipping the metal in and out, and then in turn taking a little bit out of the spirit web from that individual. Yeah, and then this is also mm, sort of beneficial, I guess. It's hard to call anything in hemorrhagy beneficial, but the benefit is that the investiture donor in this case is left alive. So it's not like the OG hemolurgy that we saw where the person donating the investiture is killed in the process. The person is still alive and they also do not have to be a metal-born person. They don't have to be an allomancer or a ferrucamist. They can just be an average run-of-the-mill Joe and still donate this investiture because it's essentially taking the innate investiture that is in every human on Scadrial, very similar to taking a breath breath. from a Nalthian. Every Nalthian is born with one breath. If you take that away, they're still alive. They're just a drab. And so these quote-unquote investiture donors not really donors because at this point not a donor you know (laughs) not consensual but that person is alive simply without that bit of investiture we don't see a drab really yeah what they are like after that my biggest question is does this process like on nalthus have a permanent impact that i think if a drab exists on nalthus they are more susceptible to disease and getting injured or like Mm -hmm. taking longer to recover. So it's like a a general negative across all categories for a drab. And I'm wondering if it's a similar experience for these quote unquote investiture donors on Scandrill. But I I think the answer right now is no. And that could be a little bit... I think that there has to be. I do think that there has to be something. We just haven't seen it on the page. Exactly. And that's kind of the problem is like, this isn't a book about the experiments that the set is running. Really. Right. It's about Which Wax and Wayne. Maybe it would have been more interesting if it was. Yeah. Or they were like two separate <laughs> books, kind of, you know, the Wax and Wayne adventure story and just the the Cosmere stuff. Like, or I feel even like even if you instead of going sort of back and forth between Wax's perspective, Wayne's perspective, Marasi's perspective. Mm-hmm. If you had split it between Wax and Wayne and crew and then like Telson's point of view, mm-hmm. that, yeah, that would have been really interesting. interesting. And then you would have had sort of this dramatic tension. A direct where, line into autonomy and the Cosmere stuff. 
Right, exactly. You would get to see all of that firsthand, and then you would have sort of dramatic tension between knowing what Telson is doing and planning and, mm-hmm. like, waiting for Wax to, like, figure it out. Yeah. You know, that type of thing. Giving the audience... Could have been great. <laughs> giving the audience a little bit more insight than Wax and Wayne have. Right. So that... that mystery element is kind of the you know being pushed forward like when yeah you happen to see the murder on screen uh for a horror movie and you're just waiting for everyone everyone else, to else. Out. yeah exactly that could have been cool we don't get that but um, what we do get is this concept of extracting investiture not only from metalborn which previously we hadn't understood though i think we probably could have guessed by the nature of Scadrill and Ati and Laris's original creation. But this is from one of Entron's scientists and he having a conversation back and forth. And it goes like this, quote, We believe that we've isolated the technique Ed Warren was onto, she said. Indeed, we've refined it. The process involves a very thin spike, my lord mayor, and oddly, the right mindset. Mindset, he asked. You need to know what you're doing and why, the woman explained. It helps to whisper a command as you work, though we find it isn't strictly necessary. Trauma on the part of the subject is helpful as well, end quote. Now, a couple of key things that we pull out from there. We're going to talk about the spike itself, but a command. That's a capital C command. And, of course, with breaths and Analthus, commands are a key aspect of that magic system but we've already seen it happen on rashar with navani's intent well i think those are two different things so the right mm, mind the, the right mindset as mm-hmm. she says is the intent to know what you're doing mindset. and why you're doing it yeah That's sorry. Your... i was jumping and putting the two together right so there's the mindset and then there's the command right so those are two different things you have to have both mm-hmm. which on Nalthus we see as well Vivenna learns that it is helpful if she can form a picture in her mind of what she wants the object to do mm-hmm. that's her intent uh which like you said we also see with Novani it's very clearly explained here in this quote you need to know what you're doing and why you're doing it and then the command is a separate thing it's not totally clear how it's working and in isn't this necessary. instance. Yeah. But it's sort of the process, I think, of translating your sort of liminal idea into specific words mm-hmm. would be the command. I think that there is an aspect of, you know, what are we doing? We are going into the spiritual realm via someone's spirit web. We're going into the spiritual realm. And we. What do we need to get there? A, a mindset, which would be from the cognitive realm, knowing and like giving you a guide through the cognitive realm. And then the command is a physical realm aspect because it's mm. sound and it's like bringing that into the physical realm. Therefore, you have been a tiny little bondsmith. You, you've pierced the three realms and brought that idea into reality. That's an interesting idea. I think this is also interesting where she says trauma is helpful. And I'm curious if that is because trauma sort of already creates that gap or like loosens the spirit web a Mm -hmm. bit in some way so that it's easier to chip off 
the piece that you are trying to get. Yeah, it might be similar because we know that Ellen was beaten as were many children, I think a little bit before puberty. It's not even like a, a puberty onset thing. It's somewhere around eight uh, to like 10 years old. A lot of children on Skadria are beaten in order to try to manifest their allomantic mm-hmm. abilities. And I'm wondering, like you said something about loosening or maybe, and this is a bit of a stretch, but maybe there is a kind of trauma activates the spirit web in a way that like highlights the magical bits Mm. that they are trying to take off so it's it's a little bit like a homing beacon i think those are two different things we know for sure that the metallurgic powers are activated by sort of a survival instinct which which makes sense right it's a power that can protect you and so it's going to activate when you need it but it's triggered I, by a trauma or some type of like you need to survive. And that's yeah. like in my But I think that this is a I think this is the idea of trauma helping remove innate investiture from a non-powered person is a different thing. We see in other places in the Cosmere, right, insane people are a little bit closer to the cognitive realm, maybe a mm-hmm. little bit closer to the spiritual realm. It's much easier to access them as uh, a god or a cognitive entity. Yeah. We see that uh, trauma allows spren to bond. Of course. And so we see that trauma sort of creates a a gap or a hole already in the spirit web. So I think that is more what's going on in this instance, that it it is sort of a separate thing from like an activation of power. It's more of a whole being bored in the spirit web in some way. Yeah, I think that we are in complete agreement. The trauma in my mind is simply like calling to the fore as if uh, for a regular human, you and I, when we're in a stressful situation, we might have hormones, adrenaline, you know, start all those mm-hmm. triggers that happen for people on Scadrial and in the Cosmere at large. There's some part of like the spirit web that is recognizing they're like, oh, we need to we need to perk up and pay attention here because we're in a dangerous situation. Yeah. Like life is on the line. So in that moment, what happens is different all across the Cosmere. But I do believe there's some type of uh, some type of signaling that the set may be trying to accomplish with the trauma to their victims, to these investors. Oh, well, this donors. is certainly a new trauma. But I think like if the person comes from a traumatic background, it is easier to get oh. their investiture. I That's what not, I'm saying. I did not I see think, that at all. I was saying they cause pain and trauma in order to perform mm-hmm. this hemallergic sewing, as yeah, we've been I talking about. Yeah, I guess it's kind of unclear what exactly they're talking about in that quote. And again, we don't get a whole lot of insight into it yeah we're trying to pull out a lot more than exists on the page but to me i'm seeing this as an example of how creepy and morally repugnant the set has become is because they're having a scientific conversation of like you need to have a mindset you need to have a command that means this that means this and then 
oh, by the way, it also is helpful if we torture the person, if we cause them pain, that makes it better too. Yeah. And just lining all of those things up as if they are even and skipping over any type of concept of like, oh, maybe maybe we shouldn't be hurting people. Maybe that's a bad option. <laughs> I mean, that has always been the name of the game with heme allergy, so unsurprising. We later get another interesting quote about this process, quote, the percentage you get depends on the person. We think it might have to do with how likely they were genetically to be metal born, but they don't need that extra if the powers didn't manifest in them. It's vestigial. We simply slice it off and use it in a spike. Fully investing one takes between 20 and 30 people, end quote. So when we see those twins of wax and wane in the lost metal, it is our assumption that they have at minimum one, but probably multiple of these newly invested spikes mm-hmm. taking between 20 and 30 people to you know craft that spike that can then be implanted in them as a true hemallergic spike. Probably. Yeah. I think there's a lot of interesting things in that quote. For example, the idea that because a person wasn't born metal born Mm -hmm. that this piece of investiture is just vestigial and is like not an important part of your soul it's fine which obviously we see otherwise on nalthus if we're comparing these two uh types of investiture and systems of investiture like it's not vestigial it is important and this say, is something that happens in like science and in medicine all the time yeah. where we're like, mm-hmm. that can't be important. I don't know what it does. And then later on, we're like, oh, no, that's very important. Like, just because you don't know what it is doesn't mean it's not important. That just means you're dumb. Yeah, you just lack the information that would tell you right. what that is most suited for. I also find it very interesting and wonder how comparable it is across other Cosmere planets, but this genetic necessity and requirement to metallurgic powers is exactly the thing that Thydekar is trying to work around Yeah, and criticizes, you know, Zazed as holder of the powers, but really is like criticizing Ati and Laris for the creation of this genetic power in the first place. This is maybe on the scale of Cosmere planets. I'd like to place Rashar at the tippy top of the list for spirit web openings and an investiture entity, in that case, a spren, filling those openings. And then it just kind of like goes down the list. What where, is, what's the list? Like, what does the top mean? It's the easiest? It's the best? It's the most clear example of what happens when a spirit web is open. And an invested entity can get in there or just investiture mm-hmm. plainly. But the other planets don't represent like they don't have that big or easy access, which is why I think Radiance well, are so powerful. Well, yeah, I mean, you could but you could like flip that either way and say that Rashar is actually on the bottom because their people are not automatically born with investiture. They essentially all have to sort of hemallergically add investiture to their spirit web. They have to be traumatized and then they have to, you know, insert a spren into that gap in their spirit web in order to become invested. Where, Where? you could say Nalthus and Scadriel are better because, well, Nalthus would be the best because everyone is born with at least 
one unit of investiture. Scadrial, everyone genetically has a chance to be born with at least one unit of investiture. Rashar, no one is automatically born with investiture. Yeah, I'm going to leave out the best, worst aspect and just categorizing these different magic systems and the way that they work within the spirit web. You have Scadrial seemingly more on a comparable level to Nalthus with this information. Yeah. This concept that like you have a baseline Scadrian who we can still take magic out. Like they still have investiture that can be drawn out. Then you have a Scadrian who has extra investiture, but not enough to become Metalborn. So they just have, you know, baseline plus five. Well, and you can take the five and whatever was part of the baseline. Yeah, I think you have to be careful about saying like, extra because again then you get into like it's vestigial (laughs) you're like well it's not really extra like it is essential to you and then you have people who have so much investiture on scandrial that they become metalborn and you can remove a larger percentage of that power to create a hemallergic spike or you could create a true hemallergic spike by killing them and so this dividing between the population is setting up exactly what Zay's is fearful of and and what he presented as the the big problem to Thydekar in regards to the set's activities of just like once you go down that road it always leads to darkness and it always leads to what I think is going to happen in era three a weird segmentation of the society and then a group of people working against that type of segmentation. You think it's going to go back to like era one where metalborn people have more power than non-metalborn people? If we believe what the set has to say here, that there is a genetic component mm-hmm. to invested people on Scadrial, and that continues into the future, they're going to attack that genetic difference and they're going to look for ways to manipulate those genetic differences. And I feel because it's tied into the magic system of the planet and this imbalance seems to exist, that it's more difficult than other planets to imagine this like going well for them. It seems like they have to go down the dark path because of the imbalance in their magic system. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the question is, do you go down the genetic path like Kelsier is asking Harmony, like, give us Mistborn, let a, you know, let, let Mistborn be born again. Or do you go down the technology path and develop technology so that it equalizes the playing field and genetics matter less? Obviously, they should go down the technology path. Which is what I think Didacar is trying to do. I don't think he wants the genetic dominance. He says very clearly, I want to democratize this. So what he wants is Lorasium. And then to be able to dish out that well, but Right. The Lorasium is manipulating the gene pool. It's not creating a device mm, yeah. that anyone has access to. Like, those are two different things. And I think the Lorasium route, the genetic route, is not the way to go. That is the way of discord and strife. To promote drastic innovation of 
technology using metallurgic powers is the thing that is going to more truly democratize the power and make it available to everyone, also making it more reliable without needing to do freaking weird genetic things of like who's marrying who. Now you have, you know, baby selection. If you're only, you know, choosing metal born children, like you just go down a really weird route. Just go just go the technology route, people. Just create a Scadrial iPhone situation that changes the face of your planet. Yeah. And then is it Ghostbloods are the owners of they are the Apple in that situation? Obviously there are like foreseeable issues with that, but it is vastly preferable to anything else. <laughs> what we also see in the creation of these hemallergic spikes is that there is some type of liquid solution as well as a device that they use to determine how much of the spike is invested. Yeah, it's something that is able to measure investiture, a combination of a solution and some kind of tech device. I'm so curious what they are using here. We saw white sand be mm -hmm. used on Rashar for investiture measurement. But in a much more primitive way. Yes, this seems to be a completely different thing. And I am very curious what's going on here. What I would love for it to be, though, and I... I don't think the timeline matches up with this perfectly, but I would love for it to be a white sand device developed uh -oh. on Taldane that is like a the advanced version of what we see on Rashar, because the thing that got to Rashar was just the sand itself, not how the people of that world would use the sand sure. in their own way or how they have been using it for a really long time. And I just have this concept of like, you should be able to use the exact same principles that we saw on Rashar with white sand, but get a digital readout of that information. Like This it, would have to be even more refined, though, because the constriction of the white sand, if I'm remembering correctly, is just like black or white. Yes. And you it, know, invested, not invested. It wouldn't give you this fine gradation of knowing that the spike is precisely 5% invested. Unless you had developed some type of hyperpotent solution that was supremely reactive to the white sand. So what I'm imagining, and this might not be what is actually happening. Again, we don't yeah. get a bunch of I think of this. it might be completely different. Yeah, it could be entirely new. But what I'm imagining is that the solution has the spike dipped into it. And then the device has white sand inside of it. And then like a, a COVID test, you know, you take your solution, you drippy drop it onto your device. And what's happening there is a reaction between the white sand and the solution and that's giving you the hyper accurate reading of investiture i'm curious if it's like using trellium which is repelled by investiture and then depending on how far away like how much the trellium moves away from the investiture mm -hmm. that tells you, you know, what percent it is or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's not a that's bad guess too. If you have any guesses, feel free to reach out or you can always get us 
directly on patreon.com by becoming a patron. We have a lot of fun stuff going on over there and always respond to the patrons first. So (laughs) join us over there. Do you want to hit me with this last quote from this section? Yeah, this was really interesting. Quote, we think we need to code this in some way to give a specific metallic art blessing. We're working on that. We've had some few gain a power for a short time using one of these spikes, but it gives out soon after. End quote. Okay, so all of this work that we're talking about. Fascinated by how they would code for a specific metallic art. Piece of cake. I already know the answer. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's a Lantris. Duh. No, <laughs> I was excuse thinking me. forgery. It is the door. Duh. Forgery would work as well because I think that, of course, both of those coming from Cell are connected even if they're not the same type of magic system. But I believe that with the Aeon door, we have an example of coding the magic system to do something specific and it's Mm -hmm. at your will you can make the magic system do different things based on your coding input in this case like waving your finger around and drawing the door but it could be done in a similar way i think forgery acts on similar principles and therefore could also be a way in but to me it is important that the acknowledgement has to happen of this is not successful for them. This is not resulting in the ideal version of what they want, which is like a creation of a new Mistborn and a yeah. fully spiked individual a They're la Marsh. still at the early stages of their experiments. And I think this actually points to, as we were talking about before, the evil twins of Wax and Wayne. They are probably actually not the product of these types of spikes. They probably have regular hemallergic spikes uh, from, you know, single individuals granting the powers. Yeah, they were the the primary use case and so got the real thing. Whereas yeah. this secondary method of like mining a little bit of spirit web or investiture yeah. out of people has only given individuals power for a couple of hours. So it would almost be like a palm situation where you got to keep like swapping in new spikes. Yeah, I don't know. It's pretty gruesome. Hemology has always been one of the more gruesome aspects of the Cosmere. But I do love that this balance exists between the three and the way that the in positive, neutral, and in negative has always functioned on Scadrill and throughout the Cosmere, I think is important. Like we got to keep those ideas in mind. It just becomes, I think, more complicated the more variables we enter into the situation. For example, on Rashar, there are two original shards who have a lot of influence on that planet, but there are native species on that planet that have also found ways to interact with Investiture. And then there is a new shard, now new thousands of years old, but Odium all wrapping it up and influencing. And it's you know, we get to see different scales, stories and powers on different scales across the Cosmere. Let's continue down this train of thought, sort of connecting this to the door, because we hear this quote between Moonlight and Marasi, quote, If they're even close to forging Metalborn out of the raw power of souls, 
If they've had tests that resulted in an allomancer, no matter how fleeting, Marasi, that path could lead to creating spikes using pure investiture instead of souls. She tapped her rucksack, indicating the glowing jars inside. Ruin. The ability to create spikes in a mechanical way? Even the process of making medallions among the Malwish required Metalborn. If what Moonlight implied was right, then it would change everything. End quote. To me, this is what the Lost Metal is about. Well, I mean, the Lost Metal is about Wax and Wayne. Duh. But <laughs> the introduction of this single line, the ability to create spikes in a mechanical way, pushes past even what the medallions can be done. Which really would only be possible with some type of pure investiture like the door or maybe this is why Thytokar is trying to export Stormlight. Stormlight. Yeah. Yeah, as a really easily accessible source of pure investiture, you can then dip the spikes in that. If you learn how to code them specifically, mm-hmm. then yeah, you can spike everyone on Scadrial and give everyone a metallurgic power. Do you think there's actually a top end of power or could you literally take the entire planet, let's make up a number of their population, just say like there's 100 million humans on Scadrill. Could you spike all of them and have them all be metal born? Yeah, why not? I don't know. I'm just wondering about like a a balance, maybe uh, some type of like anti-force that were on Rishar. We have light, anti-light. We have a balance that is thrown off by the death of honor it to me just like i don't think everyone on rishar could be a radiant i think they could i think the problem is when you start exporting because as it stands rishar is a self-contained ecosystem where the investiture is coming in in the storms and then it goes back to the storms sort of Mm -hmm. as it is used or expended in some way and so it's renewing itself when you start to take the investiture out of the world off planet Mm -hmm. yeah then you're going to be imbalanced this is where we get to like a resource extraction problem where if a bunch of other planets are coming in and like quote unquote mining the investiture out of rashar you're gonna have problems That's a great way to look at it is like if you stay within the ecosystem, there may be eventual balance, but exporting that can generate a whole bunch of new issues. Let's talk in a little bit more detail about Thydekar and hemallergy because he tried it on himself. Yeah, he's done something kind of crazy, tacking his soul onto a human body and... He now is sort of metallurgic power inert. Like he does not have his alimantic powers from before. And we hear that, quote, hemallergy had proven ineffective on what he'd become. It held his soul and body together, but no more, end quote. So he cannot spike himself and gain powers either. And Harmony also says that a bead of laracium would not work on Kelsier. I have questions. Could that be Harmony about lying? that? If Harmony is lying about that mm-hmm. to protect the world, <laughs> it is a really interesting question, though, because previously we had these Type Two invested entities that we have discussed in a great amount of detail that include the Returned, and we also think include the Heralds. Yeah, but it 
would probably include Zeth as well. Yeah. To me, the difference between some of those categories is that why is Thydekar unable to use his magic system mm-hmm. where a returned can control breath, Vasher, obviously, a person like Zeth, whatever did happen to him, yeah. is able to use Stormlight and Honor Blades. Like there's no restrictions yeah. on anybody else. So what is going on specifically with Thydekar? I think Zeth is the closest comparison to Thydekar. Mm. They both died and then had their spirit web slash soul reattached to a body. Maybe Seth is in a better circumstance because one, it was done basically immediately after he died. Two, it is his original body. (laughs) Yes. I think that is actually the most important thing. And if I was going to guess why it doesn't work on Thydekar, but it does seem to work with other type two invested returned entities is because Kelsier doesn't have his body. Yeah, because you're bridging all three realms, Mm -hmm. right? And in this case, he, his soul is like an organ that is being rejected by the body in a way. And certainly in a way they're fighting. You're trying to get the power from the spiritual realm into the physical realm, but there's some kind of block in the passageway that will not allow the power to manifest physically. Yeah. And actually, if we think about it like an Elantrian who has to orient themselves in physical Mm -hmm. space, Mm -hmm. Kelsier's actual cognitive shadow is saying, hi, I'm Kelsier and I'm a Mistborn. And that power goes to this location in the physical world, but it's trying to direct, it's coded to direct to his body. And so or, then when he's stapled onto a different body, it goes, hi, I'm Kelsier, give me the power. And it comes back as like uh, impossible to find. Yeah, like he, his spirit web is addressed as in yes. the beyond. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> so the power is just like looping back to the beyond, basically. It's like Kelsier <laughs> needs power and then it gets back right back into the beyond. Yeah, exactly. And Kelsier is like, no, I moved. I have a new address. <laughs> Always make sure to update your address with the DMV on your local Cosmere planet. <laughs> if we were going to speculate on, you know, Thydekar specifically, do you think they eventually get full Mistborn powers again. Kelsier specifically or just the planet? No. Does Kelsier Thydekar become a Mistborn again? I think no. Okay. I I also think no. But, you know, anything could happen. Don't really know Brandon's long-term plan for Kelsier Thydekar. Yeah. He could become the main person and the main character that we follow through a lot of the rest of Mistborn like starts with Kelsier, ends with Thydekar Kelsier. Um, I can absolutely mm. imagine that situation. I know you're grumbling over there. I would not like that. I'm fine with him being sort of a background player and for him being a window into these kind of weird cosmological questions. I wouldn't want him to be at the center of the story again. I simply want Mistborn secret histories to be all Kelsier, maybe slash Ghostblood stuff now. And for, like you said, that to only exist in the background of the main books. I 
kind of want it to be like a Darth Vader situation from the original trilogies. I know there's a whole bunch of new stuff with Darth Vader as like the main character, but in the first movie, Darth Vader's on screen for like nine minutes, ten yeah, minutes. Not very much. It's he's not on screen. He's not a main character, but it's just so imposing and, and the character is so like iconic that it sticks in everyone's brain. That's what I want Kelsier to be like to have just like huge moments, important and significant moments and existing in the background as kind of this strange, powerful entity character that is not quite able to compete with the shards, but is arrogant enough to do it and like to try to do that. So I I see that role, but I could also literally see him becoming the main character again of of Air 3 and Air 4. And it just like follows him on what he's doing. He's kind of just the poor man's hoid. (laughs) Yeah, that is a similarity that I believe might be revisited. Like has survived for longer than they should have, are trying to gain power, but Hoyd's doing a way better job. So just give me the adventures of Hoyd? Yeah, basically. Let's go to some miscellaneous stuff. Yeah, in talking about hemallergy, there are also new hemallergic creations. We previously saw some weird hemallergic creations in, I think it's uh, Shadows of Self, mm-hmm. right? Where Wax is in the caverns and he gets chased by these creepy human animal gross things. Yeah, they're like hybrids. I, I got kind of a werewolf vibe. So like a hyena human combo type of thing. Yeah, something like that. And then in this book, we heard about a new mm-hmm. creation. And apparently these are being called chimera. Hemallergic chimera. And created with a trellium spike. Yes. They have two spikes rather than one. And apparently these creations used to be called metal mutants. So there are plenty of interesting possibilities for gross hemallergic creations. Certainly not looking forward to gross hemallergic creations. But when we are discussing this genetic component and this world that is advancing incredibly quickly that also feels threatened from multiple sources the Malwish and the people of the southern but also now autonomy has shown up and how is that dealt with by society i could see just a lot of people saying similar to thydekar's philosophy of just we're in danger we need everything we we need to do anything yeah. possible so like yeah a uh, hemallergic creation of like a hound coloss combo thing i could see a whole bunch of just like wild creations horrific creations yeah i think this is kind of their version of lifeless army yes exactly yeah they have this power to generate a thing a being i suppose that basically no one else would know how to deal with or be able to deal with. Yeah, that also gives you like expendable troops if you needed them. Dark, very yeah. dark. Not yeah. not looking forward to that world. Yeah. Let's discuss Alamancy and Furukami in the Lost Metal and kind of how those react. I think that Hemalurgy is obviously the star of the show and way more interesting, but there is similarly interesting information that we get about both Alamancy and Furukami as well. There's a couple of interesting nuggets in there. We hear from Wayne, uh, an interesting perspective 
on his powers, quote, People didn't often refer to speed bubbles and slowness bubbles as pushing and pulling, like they talked about steel pushes and iron pulls. But it was the same, what Wayne did. It was pushing on reality itself, distorting it, shoving it inward, warping it, end quote. Fascinating perspective. Clearly, we have discussed a lot about the pushing and pulling nature of the metallic arts and the descriptions, of course, in the Ars Arcanum follow that pattern as well. It makes perfect sense, but it was one of those things easy to overlook because it feels so different. The manipulation of time, Marasi, and Wayne's power, but keeping those abilities in your mind as pushing on the very reality or the fabric of reality or pulling on the very fabric of reality, to me, is setting up something. I don't know if that's future space travel. Yeah. And we've talked about trying to counteract the effects of relative time or if there is some other. But once you say that Wayne is pushing on the fabric of reality, I'm like, well, yeah, that could that could lead <laughs> to some things. That's a whole can of worms that hopefully we'll get into at some point. So and Wayne's description of shoving it inward. So he is pushing on reality. Marasi then would be pulling on reality yeah. and opening it up or like taking reality and, and forcing it outward. Yeah. Extending it in some way. Yes. And I am incredibly curious because there's an element of speed that comes into this as well. There's the steel runners, Farukamis, who can store mm, yeah. their speed. And I, you know, question if someone was going very, very fast because of steel running, they would experience some time dilation, some mm -hmm. similarity to what Wayne or Marasi can do. Where is the difference? What is the difference? Is it just like a an amount? If you were going fast enough, do you become Wayne? Or is what Wayne is trying to describe here, he's fundamentally different than just moving really, really fast. Like he is yeah, I wonder creating if something is... else. Yeah, I wonder if there's a difference of, like, Wayne is manipulating the environment around himself and a steel runner is, like, manipulating themselves inside the environment or something. But yeah, this I is where that. we get uh, way out of my depths in terms of science things and I just go, magic, and throw my hands up. <laughs> well, I think it's far closer to magic than it is a, a strict science-based or, like, an aspect of the physical world. But I think that distinction is important. Is like Wayne is not simply moving very, very quickly and therefore experiencing time different from everyone else. Right. He is opening up or adjusting the fabric of reality. And that probably has bigger connotations down the road. Yeah. If you're a science type and you're listening to this, send us some messages about time and reality and science words and that'll be cool there certainly has been a lot of discussion want to give a shout out to a user named curtis franks over on youtube if you did not know all of these episodes are available on youtube and you can listen there but there's been a bunch of interesting conversations happening over there a little bit more science just because this one user uh, has a background in 
physics and in uh, science teaching. So really cool. Jump on the YouTube comments if you would like. Now, part of the plot twist of The Lost Metal and a little bit what we discussed in our last episode was that Wax and Wayne become misborn because of the loracium created Mm -hmm. in the initial explosion. Wax by exposure and then Wayne by gift of harmony uh, towards the end of the book. What I didn't quite understand, I wanted to know if you had any insight, was did Wayne require an additional power in order to accomplish his bomb-diffusing feat? Yes. It wasn't just Duralumin, which boosts his own power. Well, yeah, I think it was Duralumin. Okay, that's all he needed. Yeah. Okay. I was curious if there was some unique cocktail of multiple powers that he was drawing from. But if he just needed the boost to his own abilities, that makes sense. And then Wayne also uses steel pushes to push the barrels out of his speed bubble. Okay, so he's got a couple of things going on. Wax has the Durlum spike that he implanted and is also a Mistborn. I bet on the reread, there are going to be several moments throughout the book where something happens here or there, a line is said that points to the Mistborn nature of Oh, Wax yeah, there definitely early. is. I am attempting to get through my reread <laughs> right now, which is not easy, unfortunately. But there's a line pretty early on. It's basically right after the explosion happens. He and Steris go back home and they're looking through newspapers for clues. And Wax has a moment of noticing that he feels kind of funny like his his eyesight is a little bit weird and like his hearing is a little bit weird and he chalks it up to being tired basically but i'm pretty sure that is a clue that some of his new powers are like attempting to be manifest and he doesn't quite know how to process that new stimuli in the epilogue we have a conversation between wax steris and marsh about how he can walk around seemingly without attracting any attention. And And he he says that it's just emotional allomancy. That's how he does it. And then we get this quote. Quote, from there, death withdrew. Wax didn't buy his explanation of using emotional allomancy to remain hidden. There was something more here. End quote. Don't know what it is, but that's fascinating. It would be interesting to know what the more (laughs) is there, there. There seems to be a lot more to Marsh. Like, there's weird stuff happening with Marsh that I feel like we haven't really gotten any adequate explanations about or potential reasonings for. And when it comes to Scadrial, at least for me, we have to constantly be imagining, you know, is this a natural byproduct of the environment Or is this manipulation by Harmony slash Discord? Yeah, sure. Clearly, Marsh has a lot of things going on that would simply allow him to be a very powerful entity on his own. Yeah. But there can also be just direct involvement from Harmony's side when it comes to Marsh that we're unaware of. The line about something more going on than just emotional allomancy to me is curious because like, what else would Marsh 
need. Well, he was originally a copper misting, correct? Yes. Which is a shielding bubble. Mm -hmm. My guess is that perhaps similar to Wayne, who recently has had both the fortune and the time Mm. to practice more with his metal than anyone before. Over the centuries, Marsh has had the opportunity and unlimited access to metal, where he's been able to practice with copper clouds so much that he sort of found different and new and more refined uses for them. And that's what he is doing in this circumstance. I really like that call is he has basically savanted himself and maybe savanted himself in multiple metals. We don't see that on screen in the same way. But I do like that concept of the copper cloud normally blocking investiture or the signals of burning metals now marsh is using to block himself from reality from other people's spirit webs like kind of you know previously if there was like a beacon that went out whenever someone burned metal and that's what the copper cloud was blocking it could be more of like a life sense dampening Mm -hmm. maybe in the way that a person on nalthus can diminish their investiture to become less detectable to other people's innate ability to sense the people around them. It may be something like that. Yeah, a loophole is definitely possible with shielding his essential alive humanness. And while we talk about Marsh and Allomancy hand in hand, I think that Telson actually introduces a little bit of the Farukami angle on this as well. Could you read this quote from Telson for us? Quote, actually, she said, it won't hurt. Did you know that a Farukamist can store their pain in a metal mind? End quote. So to me, I have a question of like, is there some combination element going on here? Maybe Marsh is manipulating more things than even we are aware of. Yeah, very weird. I looked at the chart mm-hmm. of the all the things all the different metals do. There is not one that specifically says stores pain. So I just don't really know what like what she's talking about, how she's doing this. Well, there is a pain reel on Rashar. We definitely saw yes. that. And I'm surprised. I thought that there would be one that said explicitly, you know, stores pain. But no. Mm-mm. Okay, then to me, maybe this is something about storing identity or storing connection in some way that we don't completely understand. Whereas like for Marsh, if he could store his identity and connection to other people, then like you said, it's like a Nalfinian turning themselves down Uh and bringing him off the grid or off radar, so to speak. I think that's a good call for Marsh. My thought for Telson was more in the vein of uh, like pewter, maybe when an alamancer uses pewter, they sort of become a little bit more durable. So is she sort of doing that? And like, I don't know if anybody listening has some better thoughts about what Telson is doing here. I would be interested to hear. I wonder if she is kind of speaking metaphorically or speaking literally she's very literally speaking because this is a moment when wayne is like i'm gonna torture you basically and she's like she's like it's fine it won't matter to me at all i will just be bored 
if I had infinite amount of resources in this fictional universe, I would go over to Rashar, deeply study the pain reel, and there might be a hint in the metal or the construction yeah. of that that would tell me what Telson is doing and how she is resisting this pain of her physical body. Great point. Okay, time to wrap it up. That's a lot on metal. Is there anything else that you want to add either about Wax or Wayne or metallurgy in general? No, I think we've uh, we've done a pretty good job on going through all of the metallic arts. We will be back with some more lost metal topics in the coming weeks. And of course, our secret project number one book club is starting on Patreon. Very excited for that. Once again, those episodes will be up on the main feed once everyone has access to those books. If you are only interested in getting a digital copy, either in text or audiobook format, those are available to the general public for Secret Project Number 1. And you can expect each quarter for the same process to be followed where it's released to the backers and then about 15 days later it is available digitally to everyone and so you can read secret project number one right now if you would like you just have to purchase it via digital download thank you so much for listening in we really appreciate all of the commentary and feedback let us know your thoughts on the cosmere and everything going on in the lost metal brooke can you take us away until next time life before death strength before weakness journey before destination 